Who says tech can't be human? I know that was a long-winded response, but that does bring me all the way back to like this idea of betting on yourself and believing like no matter the environment that you grew up in, no matter the circumstances you were born into, you can still create the success you want if you just make small positive choices that compounds over time. Welcome to the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast. We get it. Another vendor running another podcast ad, trying to get you to check out their product. Instead of explaining to you what our amazing sponsor Exonius does, we've brought in an Exonius customer to fill you in. Take it from Jason Loomis, Chief Information Security Officer at MindBody. The sheer excitement of my team to have visibility into what's in our environment and have it all in one location is just I, I can't express how important that is for us. Want to learn more about how MindBody enhanced their asset visibility and increased their cybersecurity maturity rating with Exonius? Watch the video at exonius.com forward slash MindBody. That's A-X-O-N-I-U-S dot com forward slash MindBody. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. We are joined by a man who cares, not just cares about himself, but his family, his community, and making an impact. When I met our guest, I knew we had to have him on the podcast, and here he is. Our guest this episode is Eddie Thomason. Eddie is the creator of the Simply Secure podcast, as well as a best-selling author, as well as a serial entrepreneur and a consultant for Data Locker. Eddie, we got a lot to talk about this episode, but most importantly, welcome to the podcast. What up, what up? So excited to be here with you guys. Looking forward to this incredible conversation. <laughs> we are too. Eddie, it's not fair how good your stuff is so early on in your content creation career. It took us years to get to where you are today. But for the <laughs> folks out there that don't know who you are just yet, would love to hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. Absolutely, man. So I feel like my background is kind of like a... Uh, what do you call it? Like a, like a McDonald's happy meal, right? Like you just never know what you're going to get is filled with so much different <laughs> stuff. But man, I, I mean, my background all the way back to the beginning, I'm a sports guy at heart, right? So I played a lot of sports when I was in high school. Football was definitely my go-to sport. I earned a D1 scholarship to go play at Bryant University up in Rhode Island awesome. and um, basically took this, this background in sales, man. You know, went through sales for, I don't know, what's that? The since... Yeah, probably since when I graduated in 2015, but I got a background in sales from when I was nine years old, selling hats and t-shirts at the Orioles and Raven Stadium. So it's been a while. And um, now we transitioned into this incredible space of cybersecurity and now working with a company called Data Locker. And it's been an incredible ride, an incredible journey, but I know we'll hit a lot, a lot of spots along the way. <laughs> It's funny that you mentioned that having that start into sales because Chris always talks on the podcast about a story of selling candy. Chris, what was that story exactly of how you got started in sales? <laughs> hey, I, I was a businessman at the ripe old age of, I don't know, seventh grade or something like that. I saw people mm -hmm. who were selling candy and I was like, you know what? I, I could do that. All you got to do is buy something and then charge more for it. And then you bought. So mm -hmm. I buy these pixie sticks. You know, those pixie sticks are probably like a half a cent a piece, but I was selling them for 10 cents. I mean, look at the margins on something like that. And that's really where that entrepreneurial bug bit me. 
Absolutely. It's funny that you say that, Chris, because man, you share that story. I was uh, <laughs> I was in middle school. So I sold stuff when I was in the eighth grade in middle school. And then when I got into high school, I actually had, I diversified my inventory. I had high C boxes and Capri Suns and everything else. And I was told to cease and desist by my high school because I was making the vending machines lose money. <laughs> oh, so w- when did you realize that this was your future? You know, selling. I meet a lot of salespeople. Some people, you know, have always thought of themselves as a salesperson. And some people have thought of themselves as one step closer to being a CEO selling their big idea. So where did it fit in for you? That's a great question, Ron. I would say initially it started, man, working for an entrepreneur, like I said, when I was nine years old. So I worked for a guy who sold hats and T-shirts and peanuts and things at the Orioles and Raven Stadium. And I just saw the lifestyle that he had, right? Like I realized like, yeah, he put a little bit of extra hours into doing what he did as a, as a business owner and a small business owner. But at the same time, he really controlled his income and what he could make for his family. So from a very young age, I got sold. I mean, I got paid. I think it was like 20% of the, those commissions or 20% off of the total revenue, right? So I remember being... From nine years old all the way up until I was 18, basically, I did. I worked for this guy named Damon, who's today is like a father figure to me. And I remember I told Damon when I was 18, I was like, Damon, I'm gonna go work inside of like corporate America, man. I want to see what it's like, you know, see what, it, you know, what I'm missing out on, blah, 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 blah. And I said, I'm gonna take this job working for Finish Line. And I worked for Finish Line for like two weeks. It was like, this absolutely sucks. I don't understand mm. how people work. For this kind of wages, like we got paid, I worked for, you know, I don't know, it was probably like 30 hours in a two week pay period. And Mm. in that 30 hours, I only get paid like, you know, $500 on a paycheck where if I was working for Damon in my sales role, making 20% of commissions off of everything that I sold, I would come home with $500 in one day. So the fact that uh, I was like, immediately, I was like, no, I can't do this regular old, you know, employee thing. I got to definitely be in sales or do something that allows me to earn more commission and more money. (laughs) Mm. So what was it about like betting on yourself? Like we were speaking a little bit before the podcast about you going around doing speaking engagements and things like that, which could definitely lead into your career as a podcaster. But where did the selling thing come from? Was this something that you've done like innately? You're just like you're a people person. You like to speak. Where did this all come from? And what was the story of that trajectory going through speaking and podcasting? Absolutely, man. That's a that's a great question from the aspect of speaking more so stem from I just wanted to help people. And and at heart, I definitely I have a passion to help other people just get out of their own way. Right. So stop having so many self-limiting beliefs and preventing themselves from moving forward just because of like poor mentality or poor mindset towards your like towards your surroundings or the current resources that you have. So I feel like in order to give you the right context, Chris, I got to take it back a little bit to give you some um I guess the right content, right, in itself to kind of understand it. Because when I was a kid, I grew up in a single mom household where my mom raised me and my brother on a $13,000 a year disability income, right? So when you say broke, we were, right. we was broke, broke. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I come back to this idea of, you know, my, what, what I thought my only options were to be successful were to sell drugs, play some type of professional sport, some type of athlete, right? Or be a a entertainer of some sort, a rapper, dancer, singer, something like that. And, um, I definitely wasn't, I wasn't street enough to be, to sell drugs. Um, I didn't have the talent to, to actually be some type of entertainer. So I picked the, I picked the athletic route and kind of ran with that. And, um, 
along the way, I've realized like that was my outlet to really get out of the environment that I was in, right? Growing up in Baltimore City in an environment that wasn't the the prettiest place to be inside of, right? So I used that as an opportunity to overcome some family curses, right? So break some generational curses, which one, I was the first family in my, uh, the first male in my family to graduate from a university. Um, and then the first male in my high school to ever earn a D1 scholarship out of my high school, right? So those two things, people always ask me, like, how was that a thing? Like, how did you even do that or whatever else it may be? And now I just use that story as an opportunity to go back inside of different schools and universities and share that story because most people, they just need to hear somebody who's been where they are so they can understand and believe that they can get to a higher ground, right? So that's where that kind of stemmed from in itself in regards to the sales piece of it embedding on myself. I felt as though like, yes, of course, I had incredible people in my corner that was supporting me, like my mom and my brother and a lot of coaches and, and some different teachers and things like that, right? But I also had a lot of people that was naysayers and told me that I couldn't succeed and that I couldn't win, right? And I just used that that stuff as fuel. I know that was a long-winded response, but that was bringing me all the way back to like this idea of betting on yourself and believing like no matter the environment that you grew up in, no matter the circumstances you were born into, you can still create the success you want if you just make small positive choices that compounds over time. Love it. That is a powerful story just in itself. Like one, getting out of your current life situation, well, your previous life situation and making it better. And one word that comes to my mind, especially when we spoke off the podcast previously, we spoke about independence, but from a financial perspective, financial independence. And I think that's one step closer to financial freedom, really being able to move and operate not just knowing that you can cover your expenses, but to really grow and really make an impact. I would love to hear what is the connection between cybersecurity and this financial independence and freedom mindset you have? And where is the next step for you? You know, how would you look at financial independence or freedom when you're explaining it to someone else? It's a great question. I'm going to start with the back half and then come back to the middle, if that's okay with you. Let's do it. <laughs> I think when you look at financial independence and what that looks like, like you you already mentioned it, Ron, I think it's a it's a matter of being in a place financially where you don't have to depend on somebody else to pay you an income or pay you a wage, right? And I think it's very important overall to put your like to have some people call it side hustles, whatever you want to call it, right? I, I call them they're basically baby businesses, right? Because if you look at it as a side hustle, that's all it's ever going to be. It's just something that creates a, a little bit of extra income. But if you look at it as a baby business that if you are a cybersecurity professional and you're getting paid a, a decent wage, right, which most of us are inside of this industry, then you should still be focusing on something that you can do outside of that that's going to pay you a long-term income that over the next, I would say, 5, 10, 15 years could really replace the income that you currently make, right? So to put this in numbers form, let's say you're making a, a six-figure income, you're making 100K, then you should be having some type of side business that can, over the next three to five years, replace that income. So now when you're working, it's like gravy, right? It's extra income that you can make decisions based off of the merit of the decision, not based off of whether or not you have to work that day, right? Like one of my favorite things to do is, you know, if I want to spend some time with my wife or spend some time with my kids, I'm not in a position where I feel as though like I can't reach out to my boss and say, hey, I got a vacation that I want to go on. And then my boss coming back and saying like, well, 
you know, well, you'll, you're already used up seven of your of your 10 free like vacation <laughs> days. Like, right. uh, I really don't care about that. I'm just letting you know. I'm not asking for permission. I'm letting you know <laughs> this is what is going to happen. Right now, thankfully, the position I'm in right now, it does have unlimited PTO, but it hasn't always been that way. This is the first company I work for that has has had unlimited PTO. But majority of the time I let those, you know, those employers know like, hey, this is my the the values that I have goes in order of importance. One number one is my faith. Number two is my family. Number three is actually my business. And number four is this role, this position, mm-hmm. right? It's important for me to keep this role going and to keep this, or I'm sorry, not the role, keep my business going. Because if something does happen, like IE COVID 2020, and you have to let me go, then I'll always have something that I can fall back on. <laughs> Security controls fail everywhere. They fail constantly, and worst of all, they fail silently. That's why you need Attack IQ, the leading automated insights platform to continually validate your defenses. Better insights, better decisions, and real security outcomes. Get it all with Attack IQ. Plus, check out the Attack IQ Academy for free cybersecurity training featuring the good people here at Hacker Valley Studio. Register today at academy.attackiq.com and let them know Hacker Valley Studio sent you. You're talking to, to two guys that know intimately what you're talking about, but mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of folks out there, they're, they're looking at this thing called time. You know, one of our favorite books ever, and it actually it's been a minute since we mentioned it, but it's Cal Newport's Be So Good, They Can't Ignore You. Like, let's mm-hmm. say you have a side business that's not even related to the role that you're currently in and it's something else. In order to build that value, you need to invest time. You need to invest mm-hmm. energy. And sometimes you have to invest money in order to make it something valuable that you can do in the future. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're, you're a man. You have a family. How do you balance the time of building something on the side, doing your day-to-day role, and then also being mm-hmm. a husband and a father at the end of the day? That's an incredible question, man. And to be honest, that's something that I'm always working to try to improve. But number one, I would say to answer that question in a very simple term, Calendar planning. Your calendar is your friend. Become a student to your calendar and you'll be surprised how much you actually can do and what you're actually capable of based off of what you put inside of your calendar. Right. So that's number one. But before I dive into how you do that, I got to first go back to the mindset because the mindset, if you don't get that part right, you're going to fail before you even start. Right. Here's the thing that I tell people all the time. If you're trying to start something new and you're trying to build it from scratch and you're bootstrapping, whatever it may be. Here's what I tell people in regards to time. If you're going to work for eight hours a day for somebody else's dream, somebody else's business, something that you're scaling, helping them scale or helping them grow, then why can't you come home on a daily basis and and give yourself at least two hours? We're not talking about a whole nother eight, but give yourself at least two hours, right? From the hours of five to seven, what can you do that's going to invest in yourself, invest in your dream, invest in your future so that over time you can hopefully replace that bigger, you know, the bigger income, which is the the role or job that you have, right? So that's the number one thing is that mindset. You got to first understand if you're already giving time to somebody else, then you should try to find time to spend for yourself, right? Another mm-hmm. way of saying it is basically if you should have the mindset of if I'm going to build somebody else's dream for X amount of time, I should be able to build my own dream for at least half that time until it gets to a point where I can actually grow it beyond that, right? And spend more time doing something I'd rather be doing instead of something that I have to be doing, which is typically a job, right? 
So that's the the first piece of it. Now, how do you get to calendar planning in itself? Here's what I've learned. As an entrepreneur, and you guys probably know this 100% of the way, we think in terms of minutes. We don't think in terms of like hours, right? And some of us who have really gotten really good at it and our time is really spread thin, we think of it in terms of seconds, right? So for example... <laughs> If we are, you know, if we feel as though somebody reached out and they were like, hey, man, you got a quick second to talk about this. We'll look <laughs> at our calendar and we'll be like, oh, yeah, I actually got nine minutes between this meeting and the next. Let right. me go ahead and jump on this call where most people they're like, no, nah, actually, I got a meeting in the next nine minutes. So I'm going to take that time to search on social media or do whatever else. Right. Like I need to, quote unquote, prepare for this meeting that's coming up. But at the end of the day, you're not preparing for it. You're just waiting for it to happen. Right. Mm. So that's one thing of it. Right. And another thing is funny is this happens more often than not with some of the people that we mentor, me and my wife, when they say like, oh, you know, what, what do you guys have going on on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I got like uh, for the sake of example, the NBA finals or the NBA playoffs is happening right now. So they're like, oh, I got to watch my team play at seven o'clock. It's like, all right, but what do you got going on at six? Like, I don't know, but the team's playing at seven. So you, you can't meet from six to seven. Like, I don't understand. But as a business owner, that's what you do, right? Like you find time amongst your calendar, like wherever those little, not find it. I say you steal it. You steal time in these different pockets of your calendar to go make things happen instead of just waiting for them things to happen. So number one thing is calendar planning, man. Like, you know, I, to give some quick tips, I would say from a from a family standpoint, from five to eight thirty. Nothing goes on my calendar other than time with my wife and my kids and my phone goes away because, like mm. I said, my values in itself, I prioritize my family and my relationship with my kids, especially since they're only three and two years old. I'm very necessary in their life at this point in time. Right. But outside of that, everything business wise typically happens after that. So if I'm doing stuff for my woodworking business or for the speaking business or for our coaching business, all that happens typically after that eight o'clock time period. And then sometimes during lunch break during the day. Right. But then I still give my full hours to the company that I work for, which is Data Locker for the moment. But that time, nine to five, that's spent doing data locker stuff, right? Because I have so much going on, I have to be intentional with my calendar and what's going on in that time to make sure that everything can still get done and nothing feels like it's just like it's getting the leftover pieces of me. That makes sense. It's 100%. I mean, that is so strong to, you know, implant in your mind just because if you don't look at it that way, it's going to, you're going to easily miss out on opportunities to spend time with the people that you care about, even to spend time alone, maybe learning a new hobby, reading mm -hmm. a book. If you don't think of the time as something that you can use and fit things into, then how can you be sure that you're going to accomplish anything? I was going to say, I'm going to add on that because there's actually a whole chapter in my book that talks about morning routines or routines in general. It's not just morning routines, but it's, I say everybody should have a morning routine and a nightly routine. Because at the end of the day, that's really the only time that you control throughout the day. You can right. control how you wake up and you should be able to control how you go to sleep. And if you can get really good at being intentional about, hey, I'm going to read during this time. I'm going to listen to a podcast during this time to start my day. Like you got to pick up those success habits that other success people, successful people do and incorporate that into your routine. And that's another way of just focusing on calendar planning. But it really starts with when you get up and when you go to sleep, everything that happens in between is usually like adaptive time. That's true. And you always hear the term winning the morning, but no one talks about winning the night because winning the night <laughs> is how you win the morning. You got to go right. to bed on time Amen. if you want to wake up early. <laughs> Amen. 100%. And if you don't have to wake up early, then maybe you should be doing, you know, the things that you really enjoy before bed. 
You know, that's what mm-hmm. I like to do. I like to, you know, have, I really go deep into cooking at night and that's like my that's time awesome. to learn a new craft. But I did want to talk about your book a little bit and also success habits. You know, got mm-hmm. two questions for you that I'm going to interweave together. What were some of the success habits that you learned just throughout your life and that you mentioned in the book? And also, how does one find other successful people to be around? Because I would imagine that that's also one of the habits is just being around positive, influential people with also good habits. Absolutely. So it's funny that you say that, how you kind of ended that off, because association is a very big portion of it. And what I come back to all the time is I'm going to say these four things and I'm going to go back and talk about them, right? But at the end of the day, here's the four habits that any person needs to really create in order to create successful or to create success in whatever endeavor that they want to go into. Number one is reading. And I had to actually actually had to learn that the hard way because I graduated college and I met a mentor of mine. He asked me if I read and I was like, nah, I don't read no more, man. Like I, I graduated college and I said like, I'm done reading for the rest of my life. Like, <laughs> I, I absolutely, I'm, I'm done with it. And he laughed and he joked and he had grace with me. And he was like, Eddie, well, you know, if you, he asked me, do you want to be a leader? I said, of course, Evan, I want to be a leader. You know, I played sports my whole life. I consider myself a leader. I would love to be a leader, especially in the business world. And he was like, well, all leaders are readers, but not all readers are leaders. And then he said, you probably hate reading so much because you were reading all these textbooks about things that had no direct application to your life. You're learning about the war of 1812 or writing a book on a, a, or some type of thing on something that did just didn't relate to you. Right. And I was like, well, yeah, I think you got a point there. And then he started giving me success principles books. Right. He started giving me things like Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad. Right. He gave mm-hmm. me thank and grow rich. He gave me how to win friends and influence people, bringing out the best in people and all these things. I was like, oh my gosh, like these are incredible. I started I basically develop a huge appetite for reading. And the first, I think, what was that? 12 months of me reading, meeting Evan, I think I read 58 books in the first 12 months, just because I became so infatuated with like, I need to learn and learn more. So reading, and what I always say is reading from a self-help book or some type of professional development book. You can learn from novels, you know, putting yourself in the the shoes of Harry Potter, but that's just not how my mind works. Um, (laughs) But it's an option. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I I typically say stick with your self-help books, professional development books, and read at least 15 minutes a day. Doesn't have to be a full chapter. Doesn't have to be a whole lot. Just start with 15 minutes a day. Outside of that, so reading is number one. The second piece I I always come back to is listening. And most people really don't, I think they, this kind of like sometimes go in one ear and out the other. So for anybody who's listening right now, you will understand that when you list, whatever you listen to will determine the direction that you go, right? If you want, if you have a dream or goal of, of owning a successful business or becoming a successful salesperson or being a successful cybersecurity analyst or pen tester, whatever else it may be, right? then you should probably start listening to other stories and people who have accomplished what you're trying to accomplish, right? Like for me, when I was a broke kid, just trying to make my way and earn a scholarship inside of football, I was listening to stories from like Ray Lewis. And I was listening to stories from like Carmelo Anthony, any athlete that felt like they came from nothing to creating something. Like those are the stories that I was listening to. How do you do that? Podcast, man. I mean, like we're listening to one right now, right? So if you haven't added Hacker Valley, you know, any everything that they do to like subscribe to everything, you probably should. Or if there's something specific that you want to get into, like if you're just breaking in the 
cyber, you probably want to go look up other breaking in the cyber podcasts, right? Like those, those are things that you can listen to to hear stories and glean the hope and inspiration that what you're doing will actually get you to the success that you want to create, right? Because it's a process, but you just need to continue to listen to the right people. The other aspect of that, and if you, if you buy the book, you can learn a whole lot more about this in itself, but we don't have enough time to go like deep, deep into it, I would say, is the fact that you got to learn the difference between advice and opinions. Because listening, you can listen to the wrong people, right? You can mm-hmm. listen to people's opinions and get really, really, really crappy results. Or you can listen to people who have had fruit on the tree or has fruit on the tree. I wouldn't even say had, has fruit on the tree and it is willing to help stick their hand out and say, hey, I I can help you get here. I can help you get to where I am. But those are the people that you have to listen to. Now, prime example of that, I'm a mama's boy, always have been, always will be. I always say I never I never really had a choice. Right. But (laughs) because I'm a mama's boy and I respect my mom so much and I love her so much. It's funny because some people are coming to me and be like, hey, you know, so would you follow advice from your mom about how to have a successful marriage or how to grow a business? And as much as I love my mom, I tell them, no, I actually wouldn't. And not because I don't love my mom. I don't. It's not because I don't respect my mom. It's because my mom doesn't have any fruit on a tree from a successful marriage or a successful business. Right. So although she has a genuine interest in in my well-being and wants me to be successful, she can't speak to me from a standpoint of experience there. She can only speak to me from a standpoint of theoretical advice. I don't want theories. I want results. Right. So you got to learn how to listen to the people who are in the standpoint of life or where you actually want to be. It can help you get there. And then the last two things I hit on really briefly. Number three is association. And I'll wrap up with that one since you brought up that one first, Ron. And number number four is just work, man. I'm, t- I'm so tired of living in an environment and a society where people feel as though they can get something from nothing and they just sign up for a course or they sign up for this thing and then stuff is just supposed to fall out of the sky because they signed up. Well, that's not the case, man. You got to work. And um, I think anybody who's created success in life understands that it, you have to pay a price. Success it's a price, right? It's a price of discipline typically. And it's doing things that you really don't want to do. But at the end of the day, it gets you the result that you want. And that's what work is. And I feel like a lot of us are unfortunately in like this microwave mentality type of society where they just think like things are supposed to happen immediately. Where if you start doing work today, typically what I've learned, you don't see results for that for the first six to nine months, right? It takes time. And you got you to gotta be okay with that. And you got to plan for that. <laughs> you got to press through it and work through it. And how you do that is with that last point is association. Coming back to that, you know, the fourth thing. If you surround yourself with incredible people, people who inspire you and uplift you and encourage you, then there's no reason why you should not get to your goal. There's no reason why you should give up when you're only a month into it, six days into it, a week into it, whatever it may be, right? Because you have people that they understand how bad you want to accomplish your goals so they don't let you quit on yourself and they don't let you quit on your future people that you're going to help because that goal was accomplished, right? And how you do that, because that was your original question, Ron. I remembered it, I think. <laughs> you know, how, do you, how do you find those people? A lot of it, to be honest, I found a lot of my connections through LinkedIn, man. I feel like LinkedIn is an incredible community of people that are willing to have a conversation with you. And if you don't try to solicit people in their inbox all the freaking time, but you literally just show up as a human being and say like, hey, man, I really do appreciate the content that you're putting out or I appreciate your perspective on this certain topic. Would love to pick your brain about how I can start implementing that for my own self, right? Or implementing that in my business or implementing that in my marriage, whatever it may be. I think people are more often than not willing to help you than not willing. 
But you got to be, you got to get out of your own way and thinking like this person's going to judge you or they're going to feel like, you know, you're less of them. Majority of the time, that's not. I, I, I would like to say I'm one of the most humble people in the world from the aspect of if you reach out and say you need help, I'm not judging you. I'm literally just trying to find ways to help you. Right. So um, I think finding those those different environments and those people would be incredible. And then outside of that, you show up. Right. Like you can't just how many of us have been in a LinkedIn group or a Facebook group. And since you're in the group, you just expect people to help you. Like you, if you start showing up on other people's posts or other other people's um, content and things that they're sharing and you and you provide value. Those people take a genuine interest in trying to learn and get to know you as well, right? So I think that's another aspect of it. So hopefully that helps. I'm going to rerun it down real quick, but it's basically coming (laughs) down to reading, listening, work, and association. Those are the four habits that you really need to accomplish anything. And the association piece we just dived into. That is sound advice and definitely a framework for getting stuff done. And it is about the work. When you talk about success, you could say like, oh, you know, someone won the lottery, but that doesn't necessarily make them successful. They might have money for a short time, but that doesn't make them successful. They might be born into it. They might have money, but that doesn't necessarily make them successful. You're doing so many things. You're doing things in cybersecurity. You're doing things for content. You're writing, you're coaching, you're doing all these things. And there's someone that's listening right now that doesn't really have that framework of success for themselves. They're doing their work and they feel like they're doing a good job, but they don't feel like they're moving towards becoming successful. For the folks out there that are that are listening to this and they want to step into success more tomorrow, what is the best way that they can do that? It's a great question. You know, I'm bringing it back to what we first what we first talked about, Chris, is establishing a routine, right? Well, actually, you know what? Before we even get to the routine, here's what I highly recommend. People understand what their why is, right? And I know, have you ever heard the, the book Start With Why? I'm pretty sure you guys have heard it Simon before. Sinek, yep. Absolutely. Start With Why is an incredible book from the aspect that it makes you focus on, you know, why you're actually doing what you're doing, not just what you're doing in itself, right? Or how you're doing it in itself, when I think about like every single day when I get up and I was about to say when my alarm goes off, but I really, it's my body just wakes me up at this point because it's so, so ingrained. But when I think about when my eyes open up every single day, I remind myself, if I don't seize today, if I don't win today, my wife does not work. She does not have a full-time job. She doesn't have employment, right? So if I don't seize today in all different areas, my wife won't eat. My kids won't eat. Like, those are the things that I come back to on a daily basis. Like, if I don't perform, the people around me suffer. And for some of you guys, maybe that's what you need to see or, or need to feel. It's like, if I, don't do, if I don't do what I need to do, then the people around me is not going to be better off. And the impact that it's going to have on them is so much heavier than the impact that it'll actually have on me individually. And if you're single out there, here's what I did. Because I, I I started passive income opportunities and things like that back before I was even married and everything else. Here's what I, I thought to myself. Although I'm single now, I'm going to have a wife and I'm going to have kids, right? I'm going to be in a relationship. And I need to feel as though when I do get married, I want my wife to have the option to say, I don't want to work. Like if you wanted to work because you love it, feel free. But if you don't want to work because you actually want to be present with the kids and everything else, that's great too. We have the option. We have the flexibility to do so, right? So I would I would say anybody who feels as though they don't know exactly, like they want to be successful, is first come back to why do you want that success, 
right? Because for me, it stems back, like, for right now, it's, well, not right now, but for always, <laughs> from this point on, it's always going to be my wife and my kids, right? Like, making sure that they're set up better, and not just my kids, but my kids' kids and my kids' kids, right? Like, the, the good book says, you know, you leave wealth for generations, not just your generation, Right. So that's one piece of it for me. But even before I got married, it was like, man, I just want to be able to provide a better lifestyle and a better example for what my nieces and nephews have to look up to. A better example for my mom, who only has been trapped, like basically she's traveled to Myrtle Beach and that's it. That's only that's the furthest south that she's ever been. She has been on the plane one time to come up to my senior game at college in Rhode Island. But outside of that, my mom has never experienced anything outside of Baltimore in the, in the city streets of Baltimore. Right. So it's like when you think about come back to think about those things and your success depends on other people getting to experience life at a higher level, at a, at a deeper level. I don't know anybody who that wouldn't actually inspire to keep doing more and to keep pressing forward because those people are dependent on you. Absolutely. I love it. Just look at the people that depend on you, the people that might depend on you, and that might just get you moving in the right direction towards success. Eddie, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to hop on the mics with us. For those out there that want to stay up to date with you, your podcast, and all the great things you're doing out there in this world, what are the best ways that people can do that? Number one way is LinkedIn, man. I mentioned it a couple of times in this conversation already, but feel free to shoot me a, a message on LinkedIn. Let me know, like put in the, in the little note thing, like, hey, I heard you on Hacker Valley podcast and you'll probably have a higher chance of me actually accepting your request. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say that's probably going to be the best way to reach out because, you know, that's where I spend the majority of my time. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Eddie. We have dropped your information in the show notes for everyone to stay up to date with you. I would highly encourage everybody to check Eddie out on LinkedIn and grab his book. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend, or talked about it over coffee. 